0: what took place. So I'm, I'm very, very thankful. Anything on your heart before we go? Okay. So get your Bibles out if you would. Uh, I like to see people taking notes, whether it's on their phone or in their notebooks and reading from the scripture, whether you have a written copy of it this morning or a digital copy. Uh, I would say at this point, if we were live online, that you're at home, there's an option there uh, on our live broadcast that you can click the Bible uh, or on our app, and you can read the scriptures uh, as well. Sometimes uh, as a pastor, I, I was talking to my dad yesterday. You know, he pastored for over 36 years, three different churches. One, um, he pastored for over 50 years, one church for 36 years, two denominational churches before starting that church. And and he's preaching this morning in, uh, over in POCA And here's a man who's preached for over 51 years, and he said, I'm struggling to find a message to know what I'm supposed to preach. It's easy for us to rehash and rework a lot of things that we've preached in the past, title it something different, package it a little bit differently, and preach the same message that we've already preached uh, um, 10 times, 12 times to the same people. Uh, And so it is, it's, it's amazing how... Uh, the Holy Spirit will lead you sometimes days before weeks before uh, you're supposed to deliver something and sometimes hours <laughs> before and as a pastor uh, that's the difficult one on me I like to be prepared and out front and relaxed about what I'm going to share and have a direction but at as, as of eight o'clock last night I had no message and no direction uh, coming to the church this morning about five o'clock uh, I have uh, an app on my phone uh, that tells you if I'm driving uh, that I'm not responding to your text message. Um, We need to use that. Uh, I have a bad habit of picking up the phone. Lisa's always telling me don't text and drive, and it's a good reminder. So when I got to the church, I saw a lengthy message that she had sent me, and uh, the Holy Spirit sparked something, I did have one thing that I wrote down yesterday, and I actually made a graphic for it, but I didn't post it or use it till this morning. But he gave me the phrase through Lisa out of the box. Didn't know what that was going to be about this Christmas, but I was trusting, and after her text message this morning, it sparked more thought and direction, and I will try to release to you the information that the Holy Spirit wants to give you this Christmas uh, so that you will see Jesus in a fresh new way. Amen? Because that's where our desire is at Grace Life, is to continue to present Jesus beautiful and good and his story uh, of the good news, which the angel said was great tidings of great joy to all men did he not that was the declaration that when the king was coming on the scene god incarnate that it would be good tidings of great joy for all people and so you're part of that all and as we we release to you this morning what holy ghost has given us then you take that and you release it as good news to everyone that you come in contact with so jesus is revealed and through jesus being revealed the father is revealed so let's Get into the scripture and the word this morning that the God has given us now. Uh, the old covenant was basically confined to a box. Now help me. Look at this picture. That box was called the Ark of the Covenant. And that box to those people in that covenant was the presence of God. We see in Chronicles that when the ark came, representing the presence of the Lord, when it had been gone and was brought back to to its home, to Israel, to be placed back in the temple, that David danced violently before the Lord. You know what actually he was doing? In Hebrew, he was rejoicing. The word rejoice means to dance or spin around violently. So the emotion that was captured in David's heart that when that presence of the Lord came back, the representation in that covenant system came back to its resting place, David rejoiced because the presence of the Lord symbolically had returned to the people of Israel. Could you imagine living under a covenant and a culture that a box represented the presence of God and if that box was gone, there was no presence of God? The blessing of the Lord had departed. One scripture uses the terminology, Ichabod was written over the door because of the glory of God. The presence of God had departed from that place. Could you testify by the raising of a hand and a shout to the king this morning that you are living under a covenant where the presence of God is never taken from you? I see some hands in the back this morning. His presence doesn't come and go. The glory of the Lord is always present with us. Doesn't mean we always feel it. But we're not living under a covenant where a box represents the presence or even the covenant that God has made with his people. If you would look at the book of Exodus, you will find the instructions were given for the dimensions, the materials. Uh, I'm a code enforcer, so the code was given by which this box was be, to be constructed. And where that box was placed was inside of another box the Holy of Holies beyond the veil in either the tabernacle or the temple. So there was a box inside the box. (laughs) Then Hebrews 9 tells us, if you would go look at chapter 9 of Hebrews, that this box, again, I'm referring to the Ark of the Covenant, there were three items placed inside that box. And those items were the two tablets of the covenant of law that Moses had received, Aaron's rod that had budded, and a jar of miracle manna. Not miracle whip, miracle manna. We're inside that covenant box. This is some good historical information for you. In 2 Chronicles, the 35th chapter, verse 7, 2 Chronicles 35, 7 represents the time frame of the prophet Jeremiah, which if you want a timeline of dates would be 605 B.C., 586 BC. We're talking 600 years before Christ comes. You need to understand this. 2nd Chronicles 35 7 is the last mention of that box in that system that represented the presence of God being with Israel. Now, there was an atonement lid or a mercy seat that was placed over this box that those items were put in, and then the priest of that covenant were told that once a year on a certain day they would shed the blood of a bull and that blood would be taken into the Holy of Holies and it would be sprinkled on that mercy seat so that when God looked out of heaven into that box, all that he would see was the blood. That was symbolic of what was, it was a shadow of what was to come. Then the incarnation of God in the form of man comes, Christ the Savior is born. He came to seek and to save the lost and to offer to mankind eternal life to everyone and anyone who would believe. Is that the Bible? Is that the gospel that he gave his life in exchange for your life? He he not only died for you, he died as you. And not only did he give his life for you, he gave his life to you. And he wants you to let his life live through you. And if you will simply release your faith and believe, then you receive eternal life. Go with me now to John, the 17th chapter. Am I doing okay so far? This is what John says in 17 verse 3. What I just gave you was background information so that you can understand where they thought eternal life comes from and why Jesus said, and it was echoed by Jesus and first spoke by the prophet John the Baptist, who was a forerunner, saying, Repent! Change your mind, you're not going to find it in a box. Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, talking to God, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? That they know God, the true and living God, not God in a box, But Jesus, And Jesus Christ, because if they know Jesus, he came to reveal to us that the Father was coming out of the box. And if they could see the God, the Father, that Jesus, the Son, Colossians 1 says the exact representation of the invisible Father. If they will know God, the true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom God the Father sent, they'll have eternal life. Knowing and believing This gift of eternal life is wrapped up in those two things, knowing and believing in the one that the Father sent. Do you know that a lot of people believe in God, but they don't believe that Jesus is God? And the Jewish Pharisee, the leaders of the Jewish culture at this time, who were teaching the people, taught that the gift was keeping the law of Moses, which was in the box. See, the law that Moses received was placed in the box that hadn't been found or even seen in 600 years. See, now we have the incarnation of Christ. He's, Christ the Savior is born. This is 600 years after 2 Chronicles 35. And these guys, these Jewish leaders, these Pharisees, are still going through the motions. They're still shedding the blood of animals. They're still teaching the law that had been placed in the box, but there's no box. It's almost like the Wizard of Oz, don't pay any attention to the man behind the veil, behind the curtain. Why was that the wizard saying that? Because it was deception. There was actually nothing behind the curtain. Can you imagine that these Pharisees, these Jewish leaders and teachers had been lying to the people for over 600 years? Yet the people swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker, submitted to it, uh, placed themselves under it, which was complete and total, in my opinion, abuse. Abuse. Why would you believe in something and teaching something that says that there has to be this box and then the blood has to be put on this box for the sins of the people to be forgiven and you're lying to the people. You're duping the people. Wow. So, what they were doing was keeping a bunch of rules and rituals and applying the blood of goats and bulls to what? No ark. So in reality, no presence of God. No salvation for sin. I was teaching a blood covenant class in Bible college a few years ago and we had the privilege of going to the Jewish temple up in Charleston and we spoke to the rabbi. We were trying to understand uh, the types and shadows of the old covenant and the blood that was shed of animals and what that really represented when we now believe that the blood of one lamb, pure sacrifice, was good once and for all. And that Rabbi said, I ask, where's the shedding of blood? How is there a remission of sin? Keeping of the law. That's how they were. And you know what law they were keeping mainly that saves them? What they eat. The, The kosher diet is the biggest law that they continue to believe makes them holy. Do you know what Jesus said about that? It's not what goes into the body that defiles the body. It's what comes out. Do you know, eventually, what Jesus was coming to do, and what he did, was not only exposed to them, because when he was crucified, the veil split from top to bottom to expose the lie that had been going on. There was no... Ark of the Covenant, there was no box behind that veil. And he say, I'm coming out of that box that you think is back there, and when I come out of that box, it's not going to be the keeping of the law, it's not going to be the Levitical priesthood, it's not going to be even manna that you received from heaven, because I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Can I get a witness? I I am uh, presenting to you a new order of priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, which you are all a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And it's not going to by, be by keeping the law. It's going to be by an indwelling Holy Spirit that keeps you. That's some good news. And eventually, he completely had that box that represented that system destroyed in 70 AD. Um, help me, Holy Ghost. There has not been a temple in Jerusalem for nearly 2,000 years. And there is no biblical evidence that there should ever be another one built. Because if there were, then we would have to go back to sacrificing animals. And if we go back to sacrificing animals, you trample over the blood of Christ and make it a common thing and of no value. Now there may be a group of people who have not realized that the true Lamb of God, came. And that we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit, where the blood has been applied once and for all, and I feel the Holy Ghost going all through my body. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God doesn't dwell in a box, He doesn't dwell in a building, He dwells in mankind. So then the Holy Spirit took us over to John, the fifth chapter. Verses 1 through 15, I'm not going to exhaust reading all of that today, but I would encourage you to go read that in light of this message to glean from John 5, 1 through 15. I see this as as an example of how God came out of the box, how Jesus was operating outside of the box, because he's not in that ark, and he isn't behind the veil. He isn't untouchable or you'll die. See, that was the, the Old Covenant. That ark that represented the presence of God wasn't accessible to, except to one man once a year. But God removed that tradition. He removed that you can't touch God and live. And he said, let all come to me. <laughs> and you not, not only will you not die, but you'll live eternally if you'll come to me. He is touchable, real, and gives life. His ministry here is about getting out of the box of tradition and he was on, that was only for the Jews and could only be in, experienced inside the box. In this passage, you're going to see that Jesus is going up to Jerusalem. If you look at verse 1 of chapter 5, he's going up to celebrate one of the feasts of the Jews. They're still operating inside of that covenant where there is no presence of God because the box isn't even there. The ark's not there. But he's going up to celebrate, and in this story, we see Jesus continue to come out of the box more and more. Let me say this. When I use that phrase, out of the box this morning, what I'm saying is this is symbolically representing Jesus revealing himself. He's not revealing himself in light of an ark, in, in light of a temple. In light. He's revealing himself as the son of the, God, uh, son of the only true and living God who has been misrepresented. So he wants for all to know who God the Father is and who Christ the Son is and then they'll gain eternal life from it. So he's constantly unveiling himself. Do you know that Jesus wants to keep coming out of the box in your life? He wants to constantly reveal himself to you in a greater way. The disciples knew Jesus as healer. They had seen him do many miracles of healing, but they did not know him as resurrection until they got to the tomb of Lazarus. Then another realm, another dimension of who Christ was to them was unveiled to them. Jesus is not only healer and life giver to you. He's sustainer. He's defender. He's protector. He's lifter of your head. Man, if I was in a good Pentecostal church, people would have been all on their feet right then. <laughs> but he may reveal himself to you tomorrow as something that you have never experienced him to be because you've not experienced what you're going through in that moment. He's continually revealing himself Do you know the backdrop or the landscape of how he reveals himself is always grace and mercy. It's not insignificant that this experience in John the 5th chapter takes him to Bethesda. Bethesda means the house of mercy and grace. So on the backdrop in the house of mercy and grace, he's going to show you that inside the box, you're not going to have much hope. You won't have any life because the law only leads to death. But if you'll get outside of the box, you'll repent of that old covenant mindset, and you'll begin to see who Jesus is, and as he reveals himself to you, a lot of things will begin to change in your life. But See, because if you stay inside the box, all you're going to find is a man who's impotent. He's impotent. He's powerless. He can do nothing for himself. But if you'll get outside of the box and you'll see Jesus, he'll reveal to you that people are important. I'm going to tell you something. Even in our culture today, if we stay under rules and regulations of religion, denominational organizations, we will begin to disqualify people as impotent, powerless, can't do anything inside the church. Why? Wow, because you've been divorced. Help me somebody. Oh no, because you have this ailment or you don't give enough or you haven't prayed enough. Are you full of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues? Or are, what, I'll tell you what, when we start doing that, when we start basing people's importance and people's qualification on what they can do or what they have then we're living inside of a box and Jesus doesn't dwell in a box he's revealing to you that everyone is important everyone has a gift how can I pull on that gift to help you see that Jesus loves you verse 3 and 4 of chapter 5 of John if you have a bible that has footnotes and little numbers in it it will refer to uh, that as it is not in the original language it was added it is superstition and it is tradition what does that portion of scripture say it was oral tradition and superstition that an angel would come down and stir the water and the first one in would get healed hmm Inside the box of tradition, Mark 7 verse 13 says, you have made the Word of God. And when I see that phrase, Word of God, I don't go to the Scriptures. My first thought when I see Word of God is not the written Word of God. It does refer to the written word of God, but the word of God made flesh is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is quick and powerful and able to cut asunder to the marrow and the bone. Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, the words that are written on the paper become alive to us. But without a living Christ, that book is dead. It's just words on paper. But thank God we have those words on paper to tell us about a living Christ. But we have made the Word of God, both the living Word Christ Himself and the Scriptures, powerless and of none effect because of our tradition. What's in the box? Tradition's in the box. The the law's in the box. The priesthood is in the box. The way that God used to work in the past That bread is not the bread of heaven that is coming down. Jesus said it. I am the bread of heaven. Verse 6, this man had been in this condition, impotent, immobile, and powerless for 38 years. Why? Because what he believed to be law, which was nothing more than tradition and superstition, had kept him powerless. If he would have had somebody to take him to the temple, he could have been declared healed. But he couldn't go to the temple to be declared healed because it was impotent. Impotent. He had a problem. He had a handicap. He had a disability. (laughs) Keeping Jesus in a box will always keep you in the condition that you've always been in. Matter of fact, keeping Jesus to yourself may also leave others in the condition that they're in. (laughs) <laughs> because if I let Jesus out, the same Jesus that I saw revealed and out that helped and healed me, if I let Jesus out of me, then it might help you and your condition and your circumstance, and you won't stay the same that you are that you've been for all these years. Listen, don't allow what's in the box to label you with a condition that disqualifies you from having access to God. That's what the law in the box said. The law in the box says you can't have access to God and then I'm going to give you a list of things. Do you know that everything that the book of Leviticus lists that disqualifies you from having access to God, Jesus heals in the New Testament? It's amazing to see that when he says, the blind can't go to the temple, what does Jesus touch? in the New Testament. He, he opens blind eyes. The deaf are not qualified to go into the temple to have access to God. What does Jesus open in the New Testament? I've got cold chills going all up and down my body right now. It's, he, he opened deaf ears. Yeah. Paralytics couldn't have access to the king. If you were paralyzed, if your limbs didn't work, you didn't have access to the kingdom of, uh, to, into the temple. But Jesus came and he healed the paralytics. I could go on and on. The woman bent over It says if you're hunched back, if you have a deformity in the back, that's what Leviticus says, then you can't go to the temple. But Jesus healed the daughter that had been bent over for 18 years to tell her there's nobody disqualified under my kingdom, in my covenant, this thing that I'm coming out of the box to reveal to you that everyone has access. Out of the box, Jesus was moved with compassion, not tradition put this on the screen and write this in your notes and lock this in your brain. You don't have to beg for what's already been bought for you. See, the law will tell you that you have to come and beg. Ten Hail Marys, five Our Fathers, penance, not making fun, but but you don't have to beg for what's already been paid for. But we have a, a culture of Christians that are constantly begging God for things, and then when that inner me rises up and they're facing the enemy of their soul, they turn to tricks and toiling and laboring. Whether it's uh, one denomination telling you if you give you give us ninety eight dollars and we'll give you a prophecy. Or if it's, well, you're not coming to church enough. If you'd get in church, you wouldn't miss. You'd be under the spout where the glory comes out if you'll get to church. Or or how many chapters have you read this week? Have you prayed an hour every day? And then if you redouble your efforts, then you go on a hunger strike. And if you really are serious and you go on a hunger strike, then God's going to move on your behalf. I'm thankful that I'm not living under a a mindset of a God that will make me redouble my efforts to get something from him. He's constantly reminding me that I am his son. I have to repent of that mindset and turn towards him to continually to receive that I am his child, that he has given me everything that pertains to life and godliness, and I don't have to beg him. Now please don't, don't misunderstand, When I understand when I got the phone call that Mary and Natalie had been in a horrible wreck, I didn't go into a desperate begging, but I did go into an emotional mindset <laughs> that my girls were in trouble and they needed help from the father, not just their earthly father, but from their heavenly father. And so my beseeching wasn't a begging and pleading. My beseeching was, Lord, I know that you are able. I've seen you work in others' behalf time and time again. And I know that without fail, you are working in this situation. I praise you. Now, as a dad, I'm concerned. But thank God, ten years ago, I didn't go into the mindset of immediately thinking, what have I done to deserve this? What did I didn't do? Did I not pray enough? Did I not give enough? Have I not been spending enough time on my face before the Lord? Thank God I didn't go into that mode. Man, because I could live in guilt and shame and condemnation for months over that. I th- I'm thankful that when the blind man's eyes were opened and they said, well, who sinned? His father or him or four or ten generations early? And he said, this is not because of sin of any generation. This is to glorify the Lord Almighty, the God of heaven and earth, for His honor. Get God out of the box. Inside the box or operating in that old covenant mindset will allow you to make excuses. While living outside of the box, Jesus offers you an experience and an encounter. So we're talking about eternal life here. Out of the box, Jesus offers you this experience. Number one, eternal life is about enjoying your inheritance. I have an example for you this morning. I used to use object lessons all the time it's been a while how many of you all remember tim the Toolman man taylor when i preached at maranatha <laughs> my kids got this um uh, how do i say that fascia gun i call it my hammer massage um this is a nice box, it's got that rubber ball on it and this thing, I mean, it works on your fascia and your, and your muscles and all of that. It's a multifunctional body massager, high-quality motor, deep massage, strong power, relaxes your muscles, high frequency, different adjustments, different tool handles for different areas of the body, I won't tell you where it was made. Look at that, isn't that great? I appreciate this gift. But if all I ever do is look at the box and read what's in it, I'll never receive the benefits of what's in the box. And a lot of Christians read the label on the box and they've got a powerful God that has all things to offer for them. But if they're going to stay, let everything stay inside of the box, God's never revealed to them as good father. He's never revealed to them that their inheritance is accessible right now. They have to wait till they die to get it. And you're never going to enjoy the abundant life, that zoe, life of God, which is both quality and quantity of life. I thank God for the quantity of life that I'm going to live, even when I pass from this scene. But the quality of life is for the here and now to enjoy right now. But if all the benefits of your inheritance stay in the box and you never get them out of the box, it's not going to do you much good. It's time to enjoy your inheritance. I believe that we've got the, the best message to offer you. I'm, I'm, I might be a little bit biased to that, but I'm talking from experience, having experienced both living inside the box and outside of the box, and it's a whole lot better living when I take this thing out of the box and I turn it on, and wherever there's pain, it begins to massage that pain away. Wherever there's a hurt, come on, I'm speaking symbolically here right now, but wherever there's a hurt, if you'll get it out of the box it will cause a deep inner healing to take place in your life and no you can't have that that's mine <laughs> you can get your own number 2 eternal life is our testimony and when i say eternal life I, again i'm not just i'm i'm speaking of present realities with future implications for the child of god 1 john 5:11 says and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son man you that's our testimony if we can begin to tell people that God has given them a gift if they will just access it through their repentance and begin to allow the life of the Son to be lived through them that they can really enjoy a quality of life as well as a quantity of life. If you all see me next summer in a short-sleeved shirt and I have Greek letters written on my body somewhere, it's going to say Zoe. That's the life of God. That went over 15 people's heads. Eternal life is not just a part of our testimony; it's a promise. 1 John two twenty five says, "And this is the promise that He has promised: eternal life." I, got, I have a question for you: Did eternal life begin the moment that you believed, or does eternal life begin when you die? The moment that you believed eternal life was yours. You begin to access what was already and rightfully yours because of what Jesus did at the cross of Calvary. We walk in this promise now. Infirmities May it be noted that no hands were raised in the building today. No one wants less life. Who wants to live lifeless? Or limitless? (laughs) If I'm lifeless, then I'm not living. Listen, you have been made alive in Christ. Walking around lifeless or confined to a mat, like this man was, is what the law will do to you. But life in the box here will bind and confine you while life outside of the box will loose you and free you. Who wants to live bound and confined? I don't want to live bound and confined. Whatever mat you may be laying on, if if it's a disease, if it's someone told you because of a generational issue that you're bound to this type of thing. Listen, generational curses were dealt with at the cross according to Galatians. The curse hung on the tree, there's no more curse. You may be predisposed to certain things because of a lifestyle that you've lived out of a habit of someone else that presented itself to you. I mean, if your grandpa and your, uh, your dad smoked, you have a predisposition to smoking because you think that's an acceptable lifestyle. If you grew up around the abuse of substances or alcohol, you don't have a generational curse, you just saw that it was acceptable. If you were raised in a home where you were abused and now you are an abuser. It's not a generational curse. Because the curse hung on the tree. And because the curse hung on the tree, He has given you a way out of those things that you have learned. It's a learned behavior to operate in those things. And at living outside of the box, you are healed of those things. We are here to help create a safe place for you to realize that you can be healed in those things, but you've got to get out of the box. It is His life in you that allows and causes you to take up your bed and to walk. Um, More life, not less. More. See, when we... When songs are written or prayers are prayed for more, what I believe that more is, what I'm asking more of for myself is revelation. More unveiling. Because God's not going to do anything for you that He hasn't already done. He's not going to send Jesus back to the whipping post. He's not going to have Jesus crucified again. So every need that you have has already been met bought and paid for through the blood of Christ. The sufferings of Christ have provided for you everything that you need. So what what do I need more of? I need more revelation of the great I am. In every situation of life, if you need food, I am the bread of life. If you're thirsty, I am a living water that will quench your thirst. Are you sick? I am the healer. I am the God that healeth thee. Whatever you need, the great I am. So as more opportunities come up in your life, we have more of an opportunity to encounter the love of God and experience Christ and that revelation and unveiling of the next dimension and the next level of what He has to offer you. Frank, if you'll come and begin to, to play. What does have more, having more life look like then to you? Well, for some, it may, may mean having more peace or the, re, or the revelation that you already have the prince of, the, of peace dwelling on the inside of you. See, it's a much more than life. It always has been. There's one scripture that says, if we being evil, carnal, love our children, want to give good gifts to our children, Now listen, this is all about the abundant life here, this next statement is. And this is the kind of life that God wants you to... How much more does the Father want to give you the Holy Spirit and everything that comes with that? How much more? Can't live a how much more life inside of a box. You limit the God that you see if He's in a box. It's time for us this Christmas to get out of the box. The kicker here is that Jesus tells the Pharisees and these Jews that are present in John the 5th chapter that they think they have eternal life through searching the Scriptures and believing Moses were the law. Do you know Jesus called Moses the accuser and He never called the devil the accuser? Think of that. He called Moses the accuser. Why? Because the law that was handed down by Moses and through Moses, accuses you of what you're not doing and what you should be doing. <laughs> but thank God, Jesus came out of the box. And we're not caught up in works for righteousness. We're caught up in receiving righteousness because He's granted it to us. Let me finish here. John 5, chapter, verse 12. The Pharisees ask this man who has been healed by Jesus. He said, who told you to take up your mat? He said, I really don't know. Two verses later in verse 14, Jesus finds that man in the temple. Get this revelation. Lisa gave this information to me, and I think it's incredible. Between verses 12 and 14, why did that man... Who had been laying 38 years show up in the temple? Because I think those Pharisees, after they say, Who told you that you could carry that mat on the Sabbath? Get your hind end over to the temple. Start doing all those things that we're telling everybody else to do. You can't carry your mat on the Sabbath. Get over there to the temple so you can learn how to keep the law. Where does Jesus find him? In the temple. He was free. He could have gone anywhere he wanted to go. Isn't it amazing that people will come to Christ and receive a free gift of salvation, but denominations will put them back up under a law and tell them that they have to do certain things. And what happens is they go right back to bondage. They go right back to being confined to a mat. Might not be the mat that held them for 38 years, but they're confined and bound by a religious mat. Why? Because people have told them, oh, you're not really free. He didn't really mean who the sun sets free is free indeed. You've got to do this, this, and this. Get your hand in back over there and start keeping the law. You know where Jesus shows up? In the temple to find those who are being bound by religion and to say to them, you have been made whole. Hmm. Pure, restored, healthy complete wholeness you're not going to find any of that Jesus says in this building in this temple under this system in that box but the I am brought an end to all of that and got out of the box so this Christmas he came out of himself to live inside of me And I'm getting more and more aware of how one I really am with Him. And when I know that I can let Him out to others, then I don't have to point up. I can just live it out. And because He's on me, and He's coming out of the box, He's revealed to others, they won't stay in the condition they're in either. Well, I hope that we can understand that He's not in a box this Christmas he's out of the box not just this Christmas all the time this is a season where we can help make others more aware of what God did in the incarnation of Christ coming to the earth to fulfill all that needed to be fulfilled so that a spotless lamb was offered for the sins of the people once and for all that's an incredibly good news that was the announcement at his birth that's the announcement that still rings forth that it is good tidings of great joy to all who will believe and know that he is the true and living god would you stand to your feet this morning you know as a child and a teenager i grew up singing great hymns of the church and it would come to Christmas time and we would sing beautiful Christmas carols, hark the herald angels sing, angels we have heard on high, silent night away in the manger. Believe that God came and dwelt among us, but didn't have a revelation till I was almost 40 years old that He really came not to just dwell up among us but to dwell in us and what power it was to have an indwelling spirit that kept me instead of having him come on me if i was real good but he left me when i was bad and i'd have to redouble my efforts so that i could get him to come back and if i would keep those laws see it was a secular counselor who told me that i was trying to obtain something that was unobtainable and that was perfection by keeping a set of rules and regulations that couldn't be kept. This is not a, a Christian individual. This was a secular counselor who revealed to me that I was trying to keep something that couldn't be kept and to rest. And when Lisa came along and reiterated that and said, I don't know whether to date you or counsel you. <laughs> and thank God she did both. I began to walk in the freedom of that indwelling, keeping power of God in my life. Got out of the box. And I, I believe by His help and by His grace that we've continued to let Him out of the box in our, in our own lives to help others. Um, you know, there's been a deep inner healing. There, uh, I've shared with somehow um, backwards, <laughs> tore up, From the floor up, I was. Because at the end of doing everything that I had done for 37 years, if that was what I was going to get, that was hell on earth. And I, man, I did it all. Redoubled my efforts to make sure that I gave more than 10%. I prayed, fasted, got in the Word, got on my knees for hours, trying to obtain something that I already received now in and of themselves those things are not bad I'm not saying that those are bad things I still do a lot of those but I don't have to spend as much time doing those things because of the freedom I'm not struggling to be free I'm free to struggle and in that struggle I've gotten out of the box and I only say those things to testify to the glory of the revelation of who Jesus is and he continues to unveil himself in my life That's what we desire for everybody that we come in contact with, is that as Christ is revealed to them, that they can be set free. There's a lot of things represented in the building today. I know that you have neighbors, friends, family members that talk to you, that tell you there's a lot of different things that they're facing. It's so good to see Pastor Hank in the building this morning, that just two weeks ago, with double pneumonia in the hospital, we were praying for him. Still needs prayer for strength, complete restoration of the breath in His lungs. But it's just as quick as God can turn things around in a physical manner in our bodies, He can turn around for us in any area of our lives. You know, there's Lee and Elizabeth are here and Sheila. They're facing their first holiday season uh, without their loved ones. It's 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 not an easy thing. Maybe some of you... Are doing. I don't matter if it's the first, the second, or the fiftieth. It's not easy. Sarah lost her mother recently, and when I say we lost our mothers and our fathers, they're in heaven. We know where they are. We didn't really lose them, but it doesn't lessen the pain of not them not being in the seat beside us, holding our hand on Christmas morning. There's a... so good to see Granny this morning over there. Hey, friend, smile on her face. She's been through a lot physically. But God is sustaining her and giving her life. Each of us have a testimony of how God's helped us. That should build our faith to know that whatever we're facing next, He's going to take care of. Would you bow your heads this morning as we just contemplate what we've heard and then we invite the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in us to begin to move and reveal Himself I believe as you hear his voice this morning, he will begin to remind you of all the things that Jesus said about you. I believe that he'll begin to reveal to you a good, good father who, according to Zephaniah, the third chapter, verse 17, is dancing over you, singing, bringing victory after victory in your life, in every area of your life.